The April 18th, 2022 Williamson County School Board meeting is now called to order. Board members, will you please record your attendance? We have 11 board members present. Thank you, Mr. King. And now, uh, if everyone will please stand and join us in the Pledge of Allegiance, which will be led by our two deputies who are here, and we'll follow that with a moment of silence. Thank you. You may be seated. We now come to the public comment portion of our agenda. And just so you know, folks, we'll take a five minute break after public comment. Um, Ms. Glenn, do you have an updated sign up sheet for me? I do. Thank you. Um, I'll, I'll read out some quick, um, some quick uh, rules related to public comment. Public comment is one of several ways that the board hears from constituents and other avenues, of course, include emails, phone calls, and in-person meetings with your board members. And per board policy, 30 minutes is placed on the agenda for the chair to recognize individuals to make comments. At the discretion of the chair, this time may be extended, and we will be extending it tonight to give everybody a, a, a minute um, to speak. Uh, school board members do not respond to public comment during a meeting. Williamson County residents and WCS employees have first priority. And in the event any time remains, the chair may allow non-residents to speak. All persons addressing the board will state his or her name, provide, they have provided their addresses via sign up. And if you're speaking for an organization, uh, please provide the name of the group that, that you represent. The board does reserve the right to limit the time of any speaker. Uh, and the chair does have the authority to terminate the remarks of any individual who is disruptive or does not adhere to board rules. So I'll now call up those of you who have signed up for public comment in groups of three. And again, you'll have one minute to speak and please be ready when your name is called. Um, our board vice chair, Mr. Casey Hall. Mr. Hall, if you'll raise your hand. I'm turning on your microphone and you are the timekeeper. And so he will, he will call time when your time is up. And once he does that, um, I, will, I will turn off the mic at the podium so that everybody will have the equal opportunity to speak. If you would like to be escorted out by a deputy, please approach one of the deputies and let him know. They'll be happy to assist you. And again, we'll take a five minute break after this. So um, those who wanted to leave after public comment could go ahead and do that. So the first three speakers are Rod Berger, Elliot Franklin, and Kate Watkins. And I'll let y'all get situated. Uh, and Mr. Berger, if you'll let me know when you're ready. Are you ready? Okay. Is this on? It yeah. is now. Okay. It is now. All right. 
My name is Dr. Rod Berger. I wrote the letter. Since that letter, I have given an on-the-record interview to the New York Times here tonight, and I've had a one-on-one -on -one meeting with Epic CEO. Dozens of district employees, including teachers, have reached out to me wanting help. We've become a national punchline humoring extremists and their political agendas. If this district is committed to bending at the slightest fear of outrage, then count the majority as silent no longer. And shame on us for thinking the common sense would rule the day. The current district challenges are a result of poor leadership, a board in turmoil, and a, bo a broken and ill-informed parent base. Superintendent Golden, the nation's eyes are upon us. You, sir, have a responsibility to be the most curious in this district. You should lead from the front on teaching and learning. I'm asking you to be better. Board members, you have a responsibility to educate yourself on the business and practice of education. Moms for Liberty, many are afraid to confront you publicly. I am not. Your arguments fill the airwaves, yet are flimsy and propagated on hyperbolic isms only meant to divide. Educate yourself about education. Parents from both sides, we all need to be better. The adults in this community need to act like adults so kids in this community can go back to being kids. The silent majority has been slow to respond Time. until now. Thank you. Our next speaker is Elliot Franklin. Regarding the charter school application from Founders Classical Academy, I have reviewed the 264-page application along with the responses from the 14 committee members, and I understand that your recommendation is to deny the application stating it doesn't meet the state requirements. However, as was stated in the work session, much if not all of the requirements are subjective. There were only two community members on the committee, and one of those members' spouse is a WCS administrator, which seems like a conflict of interest. While your budget memo from last month shows an increase of 932 students, what this doesn't tell us is how many students have withdrawn. I sent a request to the central office on March 23rd requesting this information and have not received a response. So I'm going to assume that at least a thousand students have withdrawn over the past two years due to the toxic environment in the schools. We need to give these students the ability to choose a school that best meets their educational needs. If WCS schools are operating at exemplary levels, then what harm is there to approve this application? If no one signs up, the school will fail and close. Competition only makes you stronger. I encourage you to give parents a choice and vote yes to approve this application tonight. Thank you. Our next speaker is Kate Watkins. I want to speak in support of the thought. Kate, excuse yes. me, if you'll move that mic down, I want to make sure everybody hears you. <laughs> Thank you. Go ahead. I want to speak in support of the thoughtful educators who work carefully to provide our kids with rigorous curriculum and resources that make our school system so desirable. I empathize with parents who have expressed concern that their kids are being exposed to things at school that violate their personal values. I myself was upset when I heard from my son how Christopher Columbus was discussed in his social studies text. I am sure that there was some part of me that wanted to storm a school board meeting and demand a change, but instead of undermining the careful work of well-qualified curriculum specialists who chose that text, I simply had a conversation with my son. This is the work of parenting, and I do not want or need the school board to parent for me. I was pleased with the resolution to the recent conflict over Epic. I'm grateful that there is a solution that allows parents who are offended by Epic's books to limit their children's access to content without giving them the power to limit mine. This was an excellent example for our kids, modeling how we can exist together while disagreeing. I only hope that any future disagreements can also be resolved without taking curriculum and resource decisions for the district as a whole out of the hands of the hardworking, qualified professionals. Time. Our next three speakers are Lisa Salmon, or Salmon, Tim Burbage, and Mitch Imhoff. Lisa, you go first. Yeah, I, um, I just wanted to draw attention to a law that was passed in Tennessee several years ago called Aaron's Law. And um, 
what it is, is that, um, anyway, going backward a little bit, I wanted to share that I sent an email to the board last week um, where recently there were some incidents in my children's elementary school. And after the, that, I inquired as to what kind of body safety and sexual abuse or harassment education was being implemented in the school. I learned that in the past, there was body safety education and puberty education, but there was a directive under a prior superintendent to discontinue that education, though the education can be provided on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And several years ago, I learned about a law called Aaron's Law, and um, I shared a brochure in that email. Um, but basically, in 2014, there was um, a law that was um, passed called Aaron's Law, which um, allowed for age and development to be appropriate instruction of students K through 12 in the detection, intervention, prevention, and treatment of Time. sexual abuse. Time. Um, but anyway, Time. so. Ma'am. Um, yes. Time. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Our next speaker is Tim Burbage. Good afternoon, my name is Tim Burbage, and I'm the parent of six current Williamson County students, two recent graduates of Williamson County Schools, and one that's getting ready to enter the school system next year. Uh, I'm here to ask you to approve the application for Founders Classical Academy. My oldest two was in, were educated in a classical curriculum before we moved to Williamson County, and there are four things that I want to leave you with from a parent's point of view that might be useful for you. And number one is my children learned about the development of Western civilization and our place in it by reading primary source materials. They read the works of the founding and critical thinkers that formed Western civilization, which gave them a very solid understanding of our concept of what Western civilization actually is. That's critical for them. Number two, they, pursued, uh, they, they learned to pursue knowledge just for the sake of knowledge, not for some utilitarian end of education. That created in them a lifelong uh, love of learning. Number three, they learned how to learn, which is serving them very well right now in college. Number four, they learned what it means to be a citizen in the United States in the context of this concept of Western civilization that they had studied. Uh, they learned that along with the rights of an American citizen Time. comes responsibilities. Time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next speaker is Mitch Imhoff. Hi, my name is Mitch Imhoff. As a longtime Williamson County resident, I was concerned and decided to try to open a classical charter school, but didn't have the educational expertise to do it. Founders Classical Academy does have that expertise, and they also now have a huge amount of parent support that we garnered pri previously. So I urge you to please consider Founders Classical Academy in their application. There are three reasons why Williamson County can use this. One, that a lot of people are moving to private schools and homeschooling and away from the Williamson County school system. And another is if you don't take action, then the state will decide on your behalf and you'll lose control over this option. Thank you. Our next three speakers are Tricia Lucente, Janae Lely, and Christy Harris. Hi, I'm Tricia Lucente, mom of a kindergartner um, in Williamson County Schools. The $50,000 $50, FHS report describes us as a county divided with an elementary curriculum focusing on social justice, this is no surprise. The EPIC app is just another example of the Williamson County School Board and Williamson County Administration failing our children and our teachers. Even with the option to opt out, EPIC is still filled with age and appropriate material. Mr. Golden said himself that the app is not used in lessons or curriculum at school outside of small groups or free choice, so why keep it at all? 
What happens when a child sounds out the word lesbian and turns to their teacher and asks, what is a lesbian? What happens when the child to the left or right who have been opted out look and hear that as well? What position does that put our teachers in? Um, what are they supposed to say to that? <sighs> Removing the app does not remove those books from the face of the planet. If you want to read those books to your kids, please buy them. Please rent them from the library. Take them home. Read them at bedtime. Time. Who divided this county? Time. Is it Janae? Christy. Oh. Is, is Janae here? Janae Lily. <clears throat> okay. Please go ahead, Christy. Christy Harris, solo mom of four and proud ally of the LGBTQ community of which some of my children in Williamson County Schools are a part of. I'm here to ask that the school board and speakers consider the message being sent to our children. Right now there are children, teens, and parents watching and listening. Children whose parents are a same-sex couple, teenagers who identify as members of the LGBTQ community, your neighbors, friends, and family who you may not even realize identify differently than you, but they are watching and hearing your words. Perhaps your child who doesn't feel safe talking to you because the words you say today. All families should be represented in the books our children read. Otherwise, we must remove any book that refers to cisgender heterosexual families as well. LGBTQ youth are prone to increased risk of suicide, not because of their identity, but because of their mistreatment in society. Votes today or in the future should be based on facts, not on long-held opinions. Please educate yourselves before we harm those in our community who are most vulnerable. Our next speakers are Gary Chapman, Bob Britton, and Hannah Rosen. I'm Gary Chapman. One minute. I can't tell you how much I hate ticks in one minute, but I'm going to spend the next minute of my life explaining why I know in my heart I'm wasting the next minute of my life. That's the simple fact that most of us know this is a foregone conclusion. You're not going to prove these fine folks' application because if you do, you're going to lose some power and nobody that has power wants to lose it. Feel free to prove me wrong, but I don't think I am. But know this, this godless woke agenda which has permeated our education system will be stopped. When you see the tsunami, value-based education headed your way, you should run. The truth wins, God's in charge, and I'm giving you back 10 seconds in change. Thank you. Bob Britton. Hello, I'm Bob Britton. I have twin grandsons at the Trinity Elementary. I thought it was ironic and sad. During the week we, we were celebrating the National Library Week, a vocal minority and unnecessary and overreaching piece of legislation was able to shut down a library with 40,000 books in it, the epic app. I was even more dismayed when I saw the same group celebrating their win on the internet. When someone wins, someone loses. I think it was the children that, had, that lost access to the app that they used for developing their reading skills and, the one, and the, enjoying the wonderful books, and the teachers who use the app for their lessons. That's what a shame. By speaking here tonight, I'm asking the vast majority of parents and grandparents who believe in our public schools to make your voices heard. Don't let the vocal minority shut down your libraries, threaten your teachers and librarians, ban books which celebrate diversity, inclusivity, and tell the truth about our history. 
can to contact or meet with your school board representative, your legislators, and the school administration. But most importantly, let the Time. teachers and the staff. Time. Thank you. My name is Hannah Rose, and I'm a special education teacher at Brentwood Middle School. When you make the decision to remove a library of over 40,000 books, that decision costs more than the resource itself. It costs students with disabilities the opportunity to independently and discreetly access engaging, age-appropriate, and context-specific text. It costs the comfort and safety of LGBTQ students who are already so frequently othered and cast aside by this district. The future of Williamson County lies in the hands of those of you before me. I ask you to take that responsibility with the same weight I take mine each day as an educator. The words we speak, actions we make, and ideals we cast matter. Take your leadership and be inclined to do good with it. Do not listen to the minority because it's the loudest voice in the room. Listen to the needs of the voiceless instead. Listen to the middle school student with an intellectual disability who uses Epic to blend with his classmates. Listen to the trans student who finds comfort in seeing themselves represented in text. Remember that you are here to represent all students. Our students deserve more than leadership that takes the majority to cater to the minority. Please do better for all of us. Our students deserve it. Our next speakers are Jennifer Halley, Carol Pringle, and Lisa Rooney. Jennifer? I don't think she's here. Hello, my name is Carol Pringle, and I'm here to speak in support of Founders Classical Academy. My husband and I reside in our homeowners in Williamson County. My son and his family also reside in Williamson County. We are the grandparents to two precious young boys that are just beginning their academic years. We know that education plays a foundational role in the development of children into moral, productive citizens. We have close knowledge of charter school programs through friends that have seen very good experiences and outcomes. Currently, we see that public schools are drifting further and further away from teaching classical education, and we believe this does not prepare our children for the future. We're very impressed with the curriculum of Founders Classical Academy. Classical education has proven record for success, and we believe that the focus on Latin, history, science, mathematics, civic virtue will blend well with our family's values while teaching the children what they need to be successful in life. My son and daughter-in-law are in agreement about Founders Classical Academy. They are small business owners who want the very best for their children, which is why they live in Williamson County. They cannot, cannot afford the choices some families have to look at private educational time classical education thank you good evening <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> good evening my name is lisa rooney and i'm the parent of a kindergartner at oakview i'm speaking tonight to show my appreciation for the teachers and leaders working in schools and throughout the system I, like them, support access to a rich and diverse curriculum and ask that we continue to support and defer to the expertise of the school and district professionals and allow them to keep their focus on learning and teaching and creating spaces where all students can see themselves in the books and the content. I also support the district's strategic commitments related to building excellent teams, improving student-centered operational support systems, and preparing students for the future. Note that focus on student-centeredness. Using district teams and resources, including that really precious resource of time, defending and constantly explaining why certain books and platforms are appropriate does not seem to be aligned with our stated goals and commitments. I urge the board to continue to name ways of working that honor the adults working in schools. Time. 
Thank you. Next three speakers, Adina Kishnamanthi, Kimberly Jamont, and Meredith Daniel. Can I start? Can I start? Okay. My name is Adina Kishanti, and I'm here to speak in support of the application by Responsive Act to establish a charter school in Williamson County, the Founders Classical Academy. I believe that this school will fulfill an important need in the county. For too long now, parents such as myself, who complained about the district's politically loaded social studies and English curricula, were brushed aside. Families like mine had no choice but to pull our child from the district's public school because, in our opinion, the new Witten Wisdom curriculum is not only harmful but also academically substandard as it focuses more on a political agenda and fuzzy social-emotional concepts than actual English. I have looked at the proposed learning materials of Founders Academy and I can tell you that I would enroll my daughter in that school in a heartbeat. The materials they have chosen are politically neutral and academically rigorous. I think this is great, and I know that many other parents who were driven out of the district schools feel the same way. Time. Hi, my name is Kimberly Jamont, mother of a kindergartner at Williamson County Schools. When I grew up, I had two parents who were military veterans, um, both Vietnam vets, and we only had one rule in our house about reading. If you can read it, you can read it. My parents didn't have a college education, and so they gave me full access and reach to be able to read what I could to learn more than what they knew. They didn't let their imagination limit my education. They would be ashamed right now to know that there are books that their granddaughter cannot read because of the fact that someone decided that it wasn't appropriate for her. The other side of that is that she is the only black girl in her entire class. That is hard for her. Being able to have her peers see people who look like her in character roles that are outside of historical and context is amazing for her. And her losing that app was incredibly hurtful. She came home immediately and told me about it, and she asked me, could I put it back on? Time. My name is Meredith Locke Daniel, and I'm a fourth generation Williamson County native on my mom's side and a fifth generation on my dad's side, the College Grove and Grassland communities, respectively. I'm a product of Williamson County Schools, and so is my husband. I am also a WCS teacher. My take-home salary is roughly $32,000 a year. This makes it a pipe dream for me to live in Williamson County like the generations before me. Yet, I must pay tuition for my child to attend school here, even though I cannot afford to live here because of the salary I am paid. We must attract and retain good quality teachers. The cost of living in Williamson County makes it virtually impossible to live here on a teacher's salary. I am also a director of an extracurricular activity at school, which means over the years I have volunteered and invested thousands of hours into this community. I love this community and I love my students. I just want my child to be a member of the community of students that I serve and nurture every day. I urge those of you who are still on the fence to reconsider the student tuition for teachers and recommend eliminating or reducing it to the county commission. Thank you. Next three speakers are Mallory Hampton, Ashley Webster, and Natalie Showalter. 
Good evening. My name is Mallory Hampton. For the first 30 years of my life, Williamson County was my home. Two years ago, the housing market pushed my family out of the county. Now we're forced to pay thousands a year under the philosophy that we don't contribute financially to the county. Sure, we don't pay property taxes here. That's because we can't afford a property. My husband and I are both county employees. We cross the county line before we even leave our neighborhood. We get gas, shop, purchase groceries, work out, dine, and work in Williamson County to say all things that are taxed, to say that we don't contribute financially to the county is fictitious. It's been questioned if an elimination of this policy would be a fair and benefit to all teachers, but I feel it's only right. Our paychecks equally reflect the work time commitment that is listed on our pay chart and that we've earned. We're in a competition for recruitment. If eliminating this policy helps with recruiting and retaining more teachers, it benefits those who are continually taking the brunt of staffing shortages and vacancies. Williamson County is growing, but it's not a family of teachers that are buying these million dollar homes. Um, while some might think I don't have skin in the game, I sure do have my heart, soul, blood, sweat, and tears in it. I thank Mr. Golden for his work on the current proposal, and it's in your hands to help make this right. Thank you. Hi, I'm Ashley Webster, and I'm speaking today as a parent of two adult children who graduated from Williamson County Schools. Here we are again, having to speak out for the majority when a small minority of 130 people complain in a school system that has 41,500 students. I hope you're seeing a pattern. Know who isn't seeing a pattern? The fine folks at Epic. We are the only county that has shut down their app in our system for this reason of cherry picking and censoring books and expecting them to publish a, a comprehensive list of the selections in their collection. We don't require that of brick and mortar libraries, and so we shouldn't require it of online libraries either. Limiting the access to online apps like Epic disproportionately affects students who lack transportation to the local brick and mortar library. It puts another obstacle to learning in place for hardworking low-income families. The administration has put a solution in place. Time. Hi, I'm Natalie Showalter. Sorry. I wish to speak about the push for implementing more DEI concepts in the Williamson County Schools. On its surface, few would argue against the desire to embrace the diversity found in this, country, this county and appreciate how our unique individualism makes our county stronger. Yet now, most diversity programs have become divisive. Many DEI programs emphasize questionably age-appropriate content, which many parents of WCS have already are identifying as permeating their curriculum. Can you cite several studies showing that DEI concepts lead to better academic performances of our children instead of the decreasing motivation, reducing academic creativity and critical thinking? Should we not be emphasizing optimism, kindness, and communalities? We remain a county divided concerning the involvement the school system should play in parenting our children. Until there is more transparency and active communication between WCS and parents, pushing a one-sided agenda will just create more dissension. Thanks. Our next speaker, I'm gonna call everybody else up at this point. Um, Zach Swanson, Lindsey Hornick, Scott Kutcher, and Leanne White. And Leanne, you're our final speaker for the evening. Hi, my name is Zach Swanson, parent of Williamson County, daughter goes uh, to Nolensville, and really it's been a good experience. Um, 
My dad was a principal for 40 years, Rutherford County. I am a public uh, product of, of public schooling, but I am here to um, uh, really champion choice and for the Founders Classical Academy. I, I think that as adults, we have the luxury of choosing where we want to shop and dine and vendors and goods and services, but yet our greatest asset, uh, our greatest special sacred gift as parents um, don't have a choice. And uh, I'm here to promote that. And, and, and it's really become antiquated and out of touch with today's um, uh, progression, right? So there was the rotary phone, now there's the iPhone, there's cable, there's streaming, but our education structure has been the same. And it's time for a change. It's time for a choice for these families. Um, again, I'm happy but I think choices are good. It makes us strong. I just pray that you ex really embrace this choice. Um, it's a powerful thing. Thanks for your time. Lindsay. My name is Lindsay Hornick. I'm a junior at Franklin High School and one of the very, very few Jewish students at our school. In the past six years in Williamson County, I've been called the K-word, shown up to class with swastikas drawn on my desk. I've been asked questions about that insult my religion and I have been referred to as that short Jewish girl. I believe that the main reason I have experienced the amount of anti-Semitism here is not because my fellow classmates are filled with hate, it is because they are ignorant to it. In other words, they have not been exposed to what hate leads to. As high school students, we should be mature enough to handle sensitive information such as anti-Semitism and many other discriminatory beliefs of minority groups. We should be able to study the Holocaust in a way that exposes every bit of disgusting and disturbing aspects because we have to prevent it from ever happening again. And if high school students are not mature enough, it's because they lack prior education to the sensitivity of the topic. This is why I believe censorship is stupid, a simple way to describe an incredibly complex topic. Do not shield us from reality to protect our feelings. We should feel strongly about events such as the Holocaust because we are human. In my opinion, emotion is the easiest way to learn about compassion and empathy and it allows us to connect on a deeper level. If that's the future, I have encouragement right there. My name is Scott Kutcher. I am a father of two that have been pulled out of the school system. I am that statistic that's not being reported. So the reason being is because of posts like this, which really is disturbing. This is a post from one of your teachers. Not sure where the parents should control what is taught in schools, which is not what we're saying, by the way, has originated. But parents do have the option you know, to choose where their kids go and hand-selected private schools, which we can't afford, at their own expense and if they desire. The purpose of a public education, and this is where it goes sideways, in the public school is not to teach kids only what parents want them to be taught, it is to teach them what society needs them to know. This client of the public school is not the parent, but the entire community and public. Wrong. It's the children. Period. End of story. You're all wrong. If you believe this for one moment, this is the dysfunction. So please give us a choice. I keep hearing people wanting choices tonight. Give us Founders Academy. Give us a choice. If you don't like our beliefs, great. Give us a place Time. to go. Time. Please.
Ms. White, excuse me for the interruption. Good evening, my name is Leanne White and I represent WCEA. First, a quick overview of the Professional Learning Communities or PLC process. WCS is committed to the PLC process. This process rests on four deceptively straightforward questions. What do we want students to learn? How will we know if they learn it? How will we respond if they do not learn it? And how will we respond if they do? Imagine answering those questions for just one student. Now imagine answering the questions for your class of 30. Then scale that across the entirety of the day if you're an elementary teacher and across all the sections you teach if you're a secondary teacher. Answering these questions goes to the heart of why teachers teach, and that is to help students learn and succeed. Throughout the years, secondary teachers have been afforded additional time to answer these questions through Late Start or Power Mondays. The benefit of district-wide early release days will allow all teachers to plan together something that cannot be accomplished in the context of a typical school day. Stop. Um, excuse me, time. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. This concludes our public comment. We'll take a five-minute break.
Mr. Welch. Thank you, board members. Mr. Mitchell. We'll wait another minute here. Board members, the next item on the agenda is the approval of the agenda. Do we have a motion to approve? Motion to approve. Mr. Welch makes the motion to approve. Do we have a second? Mr. Wimberly makes a second. Is there any discussion? I don't see any discussion. Board members, please cast your votes. Your vote is 10 yes, 0 no. Thank you, board members. The next item on tonight's agenda is the approval of the consent agenda. Do we have a motion to approve? I'm sorry, Mr. Brown makes the motion. Ms. Durham makes a second. Any discussion? If not, board members, please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you, board members. With that vote, you've approved the March 21st, 2022 school board meeting minutes and the recommendation for field trip fee requests. The next item on the agenda is communications to the board, and we'll start with Mr. Golden's superintendent report. Thank you, Madam Chair, and I want to thank uh, those who spoke today at public comment. I know there were a number of topics, but we certainly do appreciate uh, your sharing. I do want to address a couple of uh, items that were discussed at the work session specifically. We had a pretty uh, detailed discussion about the EPIC app uh, and some of our curriculum and content that's available to families. So I encourage everyone to go back and look at the work session time that we had and the discussion about that particular app and of course everything else that we make available to students. Uh, the comments that we had today from from, uh, from some of our parents and, uh, and teachers just emphasize what you as a board have known. We serve everyone. We serve our whole community. We serve anyone who chooses to come to public school. And as part of that, we know that with our curriculum, we have a structure in place so that if a parent wants to opt out of a particular lesson, they have that opportunity. And just in the past year, we went through a very detailed process related to curriculum. Uh, where we reviewed the state review and selection of, of curriculum choices and then our board's uh, choice and the conversations that we had with teachers leading up to that and the whole extent of that. A couple of months ago, we had the discussion from our fine librarians about the process they go through with library books, uh, that if a parent has a particular selection, they want to make sure their child can't check out, that their child has that opportunity. Uh, likewise, the right thing to do is to give parents that opportunity for supplements, uh, additional materials that we have available uh, for our teachers and students. We did have a request a few weeks ago from someone related to particular selections in a particular app, happened to be Epic. That is an online library with 40,000 plus selections. And when we reviewed that app, 
we, we recognized that there was not on its face an opportunity for us to remove a particular selection from the app. So given that we have a mechanism, mechanism in place for our curriculum, our libraries have that process in place for libraries, the appropriate thing to do, the right thing to do, was to step back and evaluate how we can continue to honor that parent choice uh, with this selection. Uh, and we made that decision in the short term to do that review, and then we also made the decision in the long term to give those parents that option to the extent we could with a particular app. And this particular app uh, did not have that function uh, for us to, to, to uh, remove a particular book. And so the, the option that we landed on was to give parents an opportunity to opt out of, of that particular app. And again, we serve everyone. So uh, it, it is important for us to honor uh, those parent choices as much as we possibly can. Do want to let you know in this particular example, our use of the app closes at 3 p.m. and then parents can actually subscribe to the app themselves and purchase the app for, for after hours. But I want you to know also that I anticipate that discussions like this will continue because there is a lot of content out there. The internet's not going away. Use of content will continue to come up. And I want you to know and I want everyone to know that a basic standard that I believe we need to have is, to the extent we can, honor parent choice. I do encourage and I am encouraged by the possibility that the next time we go through a selection process at the state level that then comes to the locals, we will have more engaged parents. I'm encouraged by the discussions that our parents are having. I want parents to be more involved in their child's instruction and I certainly encourage everyone to do that and I know our teachers are encouraging that as well. Uh, that's a nutshell of the discussion that, uh, that uh, I started at the work session, but again, I encourage everyone to, to go back and look at some depth related to that. I'm not gonna speak specifically to any item that's on the agenda tonight, uh, because I know we'll have that time for that discussion. But I did wanna mention one final item that we did talk about that's actually not on the agenda, did talk about at the work session that's not on the agenda. Our planning and zoning department did a presentation uh, per the goal you all set for me for some regular operational reports. It was timely because we were applying a new out of zone format uh, based on a new state law. And we anticipated that at least one school, that at least at one school we would need to do a lottery because at the time, the day before the deadline, we were one student short of the maximum that the board voted on. When it was said and done, we actually were two over the number, but we found out that four of those applicants actually uh, don't live here yet. And so we actually fell below the number. So this year we do not need to do a lottery. So everyone who applied for an out of zone will get a response in the next day or two from our, from our planning department asking for the confirmation of which out of zone school they'd like to attend. I tell you that because there are a small number who actually selected two, because we used to have a first come first serve, you get notice immediately. Under this new state law, it takes a little bit longer. So for those who are watching this board meeting wondering about their opportunity to be at an out of zone school, our numbers, our review indicate that everyone will have that choice. Uh, so with that version of, uh, of my uh, superintendent's report, Madam Chair, I see that Carol Birdsong is waiting in the back. 
And we are going to have uh, some really good announcements about some excellent celebrations for our students and staff. Yes, we are. Thank you, Mr. Golden. Board members, we are going to start with Fairview High School because they are the Future Farmers of America State Superior Chapter. That's the award they received. Their teacher is David Harper. Also, along the same lines, Future Farmers of America State Division 5 Social Systems Champion Bryson Boone. Page High again, State Farm Business Management Champions, Bryce, Molly McKenzie, Sarah Malazzo, and Parker Pugh. FFA, State Wildlife Management Champion, Cole Cruz. FFA, State Beef Production Placement Champion, Morgan Riley. We did pretty well at the FFA uh, competition, I'll just say. Now, moving on to National Speech and Debate Association. These are your state champions. They get to move on to the national champions, or national competition this summer. Public Forum Debate, William Hong and Sully Murpha. Harriet Medlin and Matt Grimes are their coaches. Also from Brentwood High School, well, Brentwood High School, they won the overall sweepstakes and debate champions. Harriet Medlin, Matt Grimes, again, their coaches. Ravenwood High School won the leading chapter award. Their speech and debate coaches are Rachel Cahill and Nathan Meredith. We have another perfect ACT student from Ravenwood High School, UT Kale. Congratulations to her. And y'all, we have a ton of students going to the VEX IQ World Champion Competition. So most of them are from Brentwood High School, so bear with me. But these are your state champions moving on to the World Competition. And they won the excellent Tournament Excellent Award and their World Qualifiers. This is Connor Harris, Austin Shule, Colt King. Deborah Schaefer is the coach at Brentwood Middle School. These team won for Team Design Award, Leighton Stevenson. Jack Harwell, Mikhail French, Jasmine Merrick, and Izzy Alino. This team, Cameron Work and Neil Anavalo, won for Think Team Think Award. They are also world qualifiers. Now, the team world qualifiers, also from Brentwood High School, William Pankow, Andrew Yawn, and Jet Holt. And we have a few more from Brentwood High School. This is Bryson, Brees, Caitlin Arnold, Ashley She, Emerson, Wiley. And cool. these are your VEX Robotics World Championship qualifiers. Anthony Beckett, you are Chai, Kai, uh, Grant Carpenter, Lucas Clevenger, Luke Haas, Chinook Mogi, Quinn Weeby, and Vikram Vanayagam. Dr. Robert Marrero is their coach. And not to be outdone from Ravenwood High School, your VEX Robotics World Championship Qualifiers and JROTC VEX National Championship Qualifiers, Mark Bell, Adit Swadawadi, and Connor Tasik, Josh Peck, their coach. Now, to some staff spotlights. The Tennessee Performing Arts Center Teacher of the Year for 2020-21, notice that was 
last year. They're making up for a COVID year, but they just announced it recently. Stephanie Higgs from Crockett Elementary School won that award. And Tennessee Association of Secondary School Principals for the Middle Tennessee Region, our Principal of the Year, Dr. Pam Vaden Ravenwood High School. Congratulations to all of our students and staff members. Thank you, Ms. Birdsong. And on to a quick board chair report. Uh, board members, we've got lots of celebratory events coming up. It's that time of year. Um, just want to remind you that the Shining Apple uh, award ceremony for our top volunteers is uh, this week um, and closely followed by our upcoming military graduation for or military um, not graduation, but a ceremony to honor our graduates who are going into the military, I guess is a better way to say that. Uh, that's always a great event. Um, so look forward to seeing you there. And then we have the district-wide Fine Arts Festival on May 5th. Uh, and just a note about graduations. Uh, I know that everybody has had a chance to sign up for graduations. If you have a last minute um, cancellation and can't be there, Make sure that you have let your school know because you are listed in the program and you're generally introduced and you don't want that empty chair to be there when they call your name and ask you to stand up. So uh, please, please give your schools the courtesy of, a, of um, informing them if you won't be there. Um, so that's all I have for the board chair report. And I do see that Mr. Welch um, wants to make a comment here, probably Mr. Welch, something about the superintendent report? Yes. Okay, let me, let me get your mic. There you go. Thank you. So I just wanted to follow on the student spotlight, which is always my favorite part of our board meetings. It's wonderful to see. And just kind of add one more spotlight to that without really focusing on any of the, the specific content or the word said. Just want to recognize real quick, anytime we've got one of our student speakers who who come to, to one of these all the time, even when they're angry and criticizing us, they are poised and, and fearless and it just it couldn't be prouder when we get student speakers here. And what's an intimidating environment when you're 16, 17 years old to stand in front of a dais and everyone's raised and the adults are looking at you and you don't hear the waver in their voice or the nervousness. They are clear-eyed and bold and, and say what they think. And um, I, I've just, every time they speak, I've thought that. And I said, you know, I'm just going to acknowledge it for one time as our student spotlights. Uh, our, our kids are just phenomenal uh, when they come up and tell us what they think, even if we, uh, even if it's when they're telling us they don't like us or something we're doing. They're still phenomenal at that. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Welch. Now we'll move on to new business. The first item under the new business category is approval of out-of-county tuition rate for full-time employees. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. As the board discussed at the work session, two months ago, the board passed the county tuition rate and it happened to be the seventh straight year that the number had been flat uh, and, and not gone up. Um, after much discussion that started about a month ago, uh, we went back to use a, a phrase one of you mentioned uh, to sharpen our pencil. Uh, I recommended that we drop it by about half. It had been about 12 years since we would had a significant drop. Uh, 
and that was $2,000. Uh, I spent some time after the Thursday night meeting having as many conversations as I could uh, with, with individual board members, commissioners, Mayor Anderson, et cetera. And we have come up with a recommendation for this year. And I included that in a memo uh, that, that we added to your board packet. Uh, and the, the essence of the recommendation is that $2,000 annual family tuition rate down from 38.50 with the addition that we reduce it by 20%, doubling the reduction that we've had in place administratively uh, and it for, for every year that an employee is with us so that in years two through five, there's a 20% reduction per year. And then after five years with WCS, uh, it's zero. The intent of this is, is that proverbial middle ground to find a way to honor those conflicting discussions that you all have had uh, and that you've heard among commissioners and, and among our county leaders really dating back decades. Uh, and I finally put uh, in the last paragraph of this recommendation, uh, a reference to next year's discussion. What I'm hoping is that this is a half step towards a deeper discussion next year. And I think there's a couple of key points that, that may bring, make next year different. Number one is there's a lot of discussion for a new funding model. And this new funding model has the potential to render this question that's been brought so many times to us moot. If the funding is based on a per student funding model, it could be that this is no longer an issue, even among those who argue that we need to continue this. Second, I think it's going to give us some insight this coming year about how many folks want this. How many of our how many of our staff members want want this? And we've heard very discussions about that. But the reality is, every individual matters. Every individual decision matters. We've had some discussions with our principals about recruiting, uh, and their experience has been mixed over the last few years. Uh, some have said, "Yes, I believe I might have lost someone because of the tuition," and others said, "I've I've never gotten that indication." we spend time with this substantial reduction, knowing that those teachers who have been with us a number of years have that reduction even more significantly, it's gonna give us some insight into where we go from here. So with that, that's my recommendation. Do we have a motion to approve? Mr. Hall? Mr. Welch makes the second. Any discussion, Ms. Apria? I just have a quick question. So I think by what I'm reading, it means if, if a teacher has been here five years currently and has been paying the tuition up until now at 3850, um, will they automatically go to zero? Yes. Or, okay. Thank you. Mr. Brown. Thank you, Madam Chair. Jen asked the, one of the questions I was going to ask. So thank, thank you for that. Um, Jason, I, I appreciate you putting further work into this. I know we talked about this at length on Thursday, and uh, I had expressed then that I believe the time has come for this to be eliminated entirely, and, and I still think that. 
um, this is a good step in that direction. Um, and I think for the, for the five year and beyond people who are gonna get right away that immediate relief down to zero, that's very, very significant. I guess one question I would ask is how many of our teachers, I asked this on Thursday night and I don't know if we have the answer to this now, how many of our teachers who are paying the out-of-county tuition currently are at that five-year mark now or beyond? I'm gonna, I've, I've got a nod from uh, Ms. Farmer, if you would uh, address that question. There's 23. So I wanna make sure that 23 is clear. 23 of our 108 full-time employees who are using this service have been paying this for five years. Correct, from 2017. This structure as proposed would actually step a little further using for data we don't have and increase that number to those who have been employed by us for five years. So I'll give you a quick example. Somebody gets right out of college, what first year, they might have a child five, six years later, this would still apply to them. So it's right. a minimum of 23. Um, our, our HR staff keeps the information of, of, of uh, does not have access to information about whose children are taking advantage of this, so our, our zoning does. We're gonna to have to actually integrate the data uh, to, to make sure we answer that second question. So any teacher who's been employed, or any, any teacher or staff person who's been employed more than five years could, could now, if they're not paying out of county tuition for one of their children, could now bring their child to Williamson County Schools and pay no tuition. That's right. I think this is a really good compromise. I think, I think we should, eventually get to zero for everyone, but this is a really good step in the right direction. So thank you. Ms. Cleveland. Um, just clarification, FSSD, does it include them and our current bus drivers or do we even have bus drivers over five years? So uh, number one, FSSD, we do have that standard for Franklin Special School District and the idea is high school. Franklin Special is a K-8. Mm -hmm. If there is an out-of-county resident at Franklin Special who has been using Franklin Special service, we allow them to matriculate up. The same standards you vote on now would apply to Franklin Special teachers. At the moment, we have less than a handful, oh, right at a handful, five uh, students. So that's the FSSD answer. Bus drivers, all our full-time employees have this option right now. That would not change. That includes all our bus drivers. Years ago, a few years ago, I'm estimating six, maybe five, somewhere in that range. Uh, we tried a pilot with bus drivers when we were at the height, uh, at least what we thought was the height at the time, of our bus driver shortage. And the board voted to allow up to 25 bus drivers to be hired and bring their children out of county. We never got close to 10 with that. But we, and so we discontinued that pilot but we made a commitment to those bus drivers who chose it to grandfather them in. And we still have some of those bus drivers uh, using that service. If I'm not mistaken, it may be four, maybe six, five. I'm splitting the difference again. It's always five, apparently. Okay, thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Actually, um, I had a whisper of SROs. Our, our, our policy as written allows any school or county employee who works in our buildings <coughs> to use this service. Um, at, we have had from time to time SROs use it at the moment. We don't have any SROs using it. Mr. Wimberly. Thank you, my, uh, Madam Chair. My questions have been answered, but Jason, thanks for this uh, 
revised proposal. Well, it's a product of our deep discussion. Thank you. Mr. Galbraith. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Jason, thanks for, for making a couple of the changes that we talked about this afternoon. I think that helped um, in just in wordsmithing the thing. But um, the uh, I'm, I'm still, I'm with Josh. I, I'm I'm still in favor of reducing it, um, but if if the will of the board is to is to take it into a step, I'm I'm fine to. Um, I mean, this is a this is a really good compromise, and um, and it does it does honor the um, for 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 those on the for the mayor of the those on the commission that um, that want to um, that want to say that the teachers have skin in the game. Um, I think working for, for the past five years um, has certainly proven that they're, um, that they're dedicated to, uh, to their job, um, especially the ones who, um, who have paid the tuition in, in advance. But I'm glad we're not making it just the ones that, um, that making, paying, the, paying the tuition in advance uh, for the last five years, and that's not a prerequisite. So I appreciate that. Um, I will, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll gladly support this. Um, look forward to uh, to hopefully eliminating it next year. Thank you. Mr. Mitchell. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Jason, I also wanted to thank you for, for bringing this forward and uh, I, I'm a supporter of it. Appreciate us getting to this point. Board members, I don't see any further discussion, so please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you, board members. Our next item on the agenda is the approval of the facilities use schedule. Um, and this is an, an annual agenda item, Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. We are recommending one change to the, to the facilities use schedule. It's to add a dollar an hour for our staff members who monitor the building, unlock it, et cetera. That's to, to uh, catch this up with the dollar an hour increase all classified staff received um, in February. Recommend approval. Do you have a motion to approve? Mr. Cash makes the motion and Ms. Apriya makes the second. Board members, any discussion? I don't see anyone requesting discussion. Board members, please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. Our next item is board policies for first reading. And the first uh, board policy is that we're going to discuss is 4.600, report cards and grading systems. Mr. Goldham. Thank you, Madam Chair. This is first reading. And uh, just as a reminder, every board policy change takes two readings. So this will be go back to the policy committee. Uh, the heart of the proposed change related to report cards and grading systems is, uh, is the weighted grades uh, for, uh, for adding pre-AP courses to honors courses. We do recommend approval of this at first reading. Do we have a motion to approve? Mr. Haw? Mr. Welch makes a second. Board members, any discussion? I see no one requesting discussion. Please cast your votes. Your 
Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. Our next policy is 4.6051, credit requirements for graduation, Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. If, uh, if I may refer you to the last page of the policy with the proposed change uh, in which we are proposing to change the pass-fail status of online learning courses at the high school level to actually have GPAs and, and grades added to the student's full GPA. So I do recommend approval on first reading of this change. Is there a motion to approve? Ms. Apria makes the motion. Ms. Durham makes the second. Board members, any discussion? Mr. Galbraith. Thank you, Madam Chair. Jason, I forgot to ask this. I thought about it over the weekend, but um, particularly talking about um, online classes with, um, with a couple of my kids. But the if you take a class outside of the OLP, um, so right now, if you're not in the, if you're not in the online program, the, is it, I know Discovery and Vanguard, right? The, Vanguard, yeah. Um, so if you're not in the Vanguard program, um, do we still have the option to, to take classes that aren't available to them through other programs and is, are those in addition to the ones that students take prior to enrolling at WCS? Are, are we saying that all of those are gonna be graded on a, on a letter grade scale? Yes, that is our plan. Uh, so to your point, thank you for mentioning that. Uh, we do offer a number of online courses and I think it's, we, were have, we, we already have had a registration for over 4,000 course seats this year for courses we teach, but there are occasionally particular courses that we don't teach where a student can get credit. That will include getting that whatever grade they receive from that provider. Okay, and so the, the ability to go outside is limited to, to courses that we don't take, or would it also be limit, or would also be available for someone who wants to take a class that is full, for personal finance, for example? Well, we can we continue to it, it applies to both, okay. but for personal finance, that example, um, in the phraseology you often hear at the college level is did did a class make? We add sections to personal finance regularly because that is a requirement for graduation. Uh, but in those other examples, uh, then yes, it would apply to both. All right. Thank you. Board members, I don't see any other questions. Please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. Our next item is policy 6.309, zero tolerance offenses. And um, I keep pinging, hearing a pinging noise. If everyone could check your phones, please, and turn that off if it's your phone. Thank you. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. On page three of four of this policy, we are proposing to add in the appeal section for zero tolerance offenses that the disciplinary hearing authority must include the student support services director and or designee. Uh, to make sure that there are more special education professionals available uh, in the event of a need at the appeal. I do want to add one extra piece of information. A question came up about facsimile guns, um, uh, airsoft guns, et cetera. Those actually fit within the zero tolerance reason judgment standards that if someone is actually using something as, as a weapon, 
it would be subject to a reasoned judgment offense that gives discretion to a principal for, for discipline. So we do recommend approval at first reading for this policy change. Is there a motion to approve? Mr. Haw? Second. Ms. Apria? Mr. Mitchell? Item for discussion? Yes, thank, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, real quick, this is the first reading of this. This requires two readings, correct? Will the second reading be part of the consent agenda or will it be in a full agenda item? Our default is it goes to the consent agenda. Uh, it, there, there, at the policy meeting, there was a discussion to change one of the definitions. Um, so I would recommend it not, this particular policy for second reading, not be a part of the consent agenda. Okay. Because we'll make and that we're change. And we're still on track to review that change. That yes, that change will be at the May policy meeting. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mitchell. Board members, I see no other um, members requesting to speak, so please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, 0 no. Thank you. Our next item is the Founders Charter School application, Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, included in the board packet, as you recall from the work session, is the memo that's actually showing on the screen with a recommendation from the committee. In addition to that, uh, uh, Dana Osbrooks has added a draft resolution for your review. It should be the next document in the um, in the in the board packet I'm going to ask Tim if he would to pull that up so I do recommend that you follow the recommendation of the committee uh, as part of that the recommendation would be that you approve the resolution sit, uh, sitting before you which is titled the resolution of the Williamson County Board of Education denying the charter school application submitted by Founders Classical Academy. Uh, Ms. Osbrooks is here for uh, any questions you may have as well as Dr. Webb who actually chaired the committee. So do recommend approval of the resolution. Is there a motion to approve? Oh, Mr. Galbraith and Mr. Welch, is that a second? Okay. Board members, any discussion? Mr. Cash. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, over the weekend, I did a little bit of reading up on the uh, Founders Classical uh, curriculum, and I found it uh, very interesting and uh, very down to earth. And uh, I'd like to thank the committee for the scoring and the hard work y'all did. And, uh, you know, that's what committees are for, and that's who what we need to do but uh, you know after reviewing all that curriculum um, I feel it could be an alternative for parents uh, maybe a, a little bit more diversity in our curriculum and uh, you know hopefully uh, the founders of, of the classical will come forward and uh, resubmit in 30 days an application that is more and co more complete uh, and possibly see some changes in this because I think it would be very important for them to do that. So I'm going to abstain from this vote. Thank you. 
Mr. Galbraith. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I really enjoyed the process um, the, that we went to um, participating on this, on this committee. Um, thanks to Dr. Webb and all the, um, the members of the committee. Um, I don't know if anybody got a chance to, to read through. Um, don't lie and say you read all all 300 pages of the of the rubrics and you got to see a lot of the same same themes because we were uh, we kind of operated in um, in committee structures so we we each focused on our um, on our area um, and then and got reports from everyone else but we all went through the entire document and did answer all the questions even with kind of page number references to um, to individual answers to individual questions. Um, just wanted to talk a, a little bit about the about the process and the and the rubric itself. I think um, I said this on Thursday night. I think it's really important to to understand because it's easy to to look at this from the outside looking in and say, oh well, you know, I I expected them to um, to not recommend approval because it's the it's the LEA and they don't want to give up control to um, to a third party. Um, and while that may or may not be true, the um, the rubric isn't is, is is pretty specific. And while it's some of the some of the answers are um, subjective and not, not everything is objective, the the rubric doesn't really give much leeway to to your personal preference on whether or not you um, whether you want it or not, or whether you think it provides even something that the district doesn't offer, um, it's more on it, a lot of the rubric. It depends on the the detail, the specificity, um, and and kind of going line item by line item on on the the rubric line items themselves. Um, and so the um, the the process in place is that if we um, if we're if we're shown to not have fallen the rubric, um, that's what the state. Well, I guess after uh, they're going to come back to us, assuming that they do come back to us with a uh, with an appeal, and we get a chance to look at this again. Um, if in if at that time we deny again, it would go back to it would go to the state charter commission if the if the applicant chooses to to go that far, and they're basically going to look at us, look at it, and um, they do take our recommendations um, in in place, but they also are going to look at it by the rubric and say, did we um, did we analyze this fairly, um, or were we biased in any way? And I I really feel like um, given the fact that we, we got to see two applications and one was pulled, we did get to see them side by side. Um, and I really, I really look forward if, if the, if the applicant chooses to, um, if we, if we do deny this as, a, as, uh, recommended, um, and I'm going to recommend that we, uh, that, that we do, um, I would, I would like to see, and I've, and I've, we got a chance to speak to them in person and as as part of a request for additional information um and i just felt that this overall um that it was lacking specificity in some places incomplete um on the financial side that i was looking at um on the the academic side it they the applicant is um 
partnering with a couple of organizations that have existing schools in Arkansas and Texas. And, um, and I thought that they would have more information about um, from them, the vast resources that they have at their disposal, and um, and they just didn't. They just kept on saying, "Oh yeah, they had that. They had that. They had that," but didn't go into spe specifics about what they have. And I thought they missed an opportunity to do that. But that being said, um, I will um, I will not be recommend. Or I'll be recommending that we um, deny the application. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Thank you, thank you, Madam Chair. Just a not to really get into the um, the review process that was done because Jay's done a good job of explaining that and, and Dr. Webb did a great job last Thursday of walking us through that. We've had a chance to read the documents and see the reviews and the ratings and the scoring. But my comment's really more of a big picture comment about charters. And you know what I what I worry about a little bit is that this process, because it's a relatively new process for for most of us, is that it's gonna give the impression that it's predetermined that charter schools are not going to be accepted in Williamson County. And, and I, I, for one, would not want that to be the impression. Um, and you know, some of the speakers spoke, talked about this, um, you know, that the fear is that we're, we're, we're closed off to this idea. And I, and I, I just think that that's the, one of the unintended consequences of this process and of this vote is that that might be the impression that gets left. So I wanna say that at the outset. Um, I too hope that this starts a conversation. This is not the end of it, that I hope it starts a conversation where this applicant or other applicants come forward and learn from this process, that we learn from it, that they learn from it, um, and that we can um, you know, continue this, this kind of conversation in the future. So I just wanna get that out there on the record that, that just speaking for myself, I, I would not want for uh, people who are coming in good faith who have shown that this can work in other places feel like that um, that we're entirely closed off to this conversation. And I said this at another, in another meeting at some point about a month ago where you know, charter schools, if you look at it on the whole, have proven to be really successful in a lot of places. I think anybody who looks at it objectively would tell you that. Um, it has to be the right fit, it has to be the right context, and it has to be the right offering. Um, I think Jay pointed out that there were some things that we needed to see that we perhaps didn't see, but maybe we learn, again, we learn from this going forward. So thank you. Mr. Mitchell. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, Dr. Webb, a couple of questions for you as the chair, chairman of the committee. How many members were on the committee? 14 members on the committee. Uh, and off, you may not know this exactly, but in a ballpark, how many different areas of of operation school operations did the rubric or the committee review the rubric uh, specifically addresses three areas academics operations and finance and and then within each of those areas there were subcategories correct if i remember yes subsections and yes. so within how many total subsections across those three categories do you know off the top of your head there were 30 subsections, and uh, after each subsection, each individual in the committee was asked to summarize or to grade that entire category. So 33 total feedback aspects of the rubric for each individual. And that goes to Jay's point of over well over 300 pages of, of comments and reviews from the 14 
members across these 37, did you say? 30? 30 total with 30 three total. additional, so 33 total. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it was all said and done, how many positive recommendations were there from the out of the 14 uh, members, overall recommendations? Um, I'll have to add those up for you, but in regards to each subcategory, I can speak to that. So in regards to um, the first category of academics, 11 individuals indicated that it did not meet uh, the rubric. 11 of the 14? 11 of the, uh, yes, and three indicated that it was partial. In regards to the section, second section, there were Forgive me one moment, please. I'm sorry, I didn't give you a heads up. I was going to hit you with all of the... Um, Forgive me, in the second section, and of um, all of those subcategories, all 14 individuals indicated that it did not meet. And what was that second subsection? The second subsection was operations. Okay. The third was finance. 11 individuals indicated that it did not meet, and one indicated that it didn't meet or exceed. Okay, thank you. And the third subsection was? Finance. Finance, right, thank you. All right. Um, I guess the point I would I would make here is I was trying to find a good analogy. You, that not every Kroger you walk into is, is, is as well run as the one you might, as the one next to it or down the road from it. And I think it's the same point that we're trying to make with these with the review of these applications is it's we're looking to make sure that they've got all of their ducks in a row and being able to truly operate a school for children over a period of 12 months or however you know and year over year recurrence and so uh, ideas and operations don't always line up in every example of it so i think that's kind of that was uh, probably not uh, kroger not being a good ex good analogy maybe Walmart or, or a McDonald's, they're not all equal, I guess, in quality uh, run uh, and presentation as well. So um, thank you for that information. I just thought it was important that uh, the, the audience hear the detail and the effort that went into this review. Mr. Welch. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, so I, just one of the comments that there was a predetermined outcome uh, or the perception that maybe there was a predetermined outcome of the board not wanting to give up authority and that's what was was driving it and then that may or may not be true uh, maybe that was just worded poorly and that was the attention but I, I just want to say I, I think it's definitely not true um, I, I look at the members of this this board and I, I do not think that that is the driver uh, for this at all whether we approve it or not prove it or, or what have you. Uh, we have, you know, first we have a fiduciary responsibility to the taxpayer of, of approving schools that are set up for success and, and to succeed uh, in that. And more importantly, we, I think we have responsibility to the students uh, for the same. Mr. Brown uh, accurately made the point. You can objectively look and you can see uh, many examples of charter schools that have been successful. But you can also objectively look at that. You can see uh, as many or, or maybe even more examples of charter schools that have not been successful, even many that have shut down and have burdened the, the district with the, the costs uh, for facilities, having to uh, put those students back into uh, 
other schools and move them mid-year, catching them up. And so it, it did not serve uh, the community or the students in that case. So um, in this example, Dr. Webb went through, we had 14 individuals uh, from varied background, members of the community. We had a representative of this board. And it was, uh, I think there's a very clear indication of, um, you know, appreciating uh, the work behind it and, you know, the good faith and thought behind it. But I think there was a, a clear indicator of what the committee thought of, about that, system, that particular charter being ready to meet the Williamson County Schools standard um, that way. And as Dr. Golden indicated her earlier, she indicated earlier, you know, we fully support uh, parental choice and everything else, but here we're not really talking about parental choice, we're, we're talking about taxpayer funding uh, of it. And so I think there's a, a, an additional level that it has to meet and that's to be successful and, and to get the board's approval. Thank you. Thank you. Board members, I don't see any further requests for discussion. Uh, before you cast your votes, just let me clarify, and Ms. Osbrooks, uh, please, please help me with this. If you vote yes, that is a recommendation uh, of the approval. It's, it's a, it, you're saying you approve the Charter School Review Committee's recommenda recommendation to deny the application. That is correct. Works. Yes. If um, tonight, if you vote yes on the um, resolution, you're voting to approve the resolution and voting to deny the charter school application. If you vote no, you are voting not to approve the resolution and you are in fact voting to approve the charter school application. Thank you, Ms. Osbrooks. Board members, please cast your votes. Your vote is 10 yes, zero no, one abstain. Thank you. The next item on the agenda is the approval to close Discovery Virtual K-8 for the 2022-2023 school year, Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. As you recall, uh, we're, and I am making a difficult recommendation to you related to Discovery K-8 Virtual School. When COVID hit, and the governor had schools close right at two years ago for the fourth quarter, a little over two years ago, we spent some time finding ways to provide instruction. That next fall, we offered fully online as a program, an option for students to stay in a particular school and still be fully online. This particular year, in preparation for this particular year, the state regulations changed to the point where if a student was to be fully online, it required the LEAs, the local education agencies, to actually establish an online school. We had enough demand from our families to offer that school, those schools, really K-12. So the K, we started a K-8 and a, and a high school. A core part of our K-8 was synchronous instruction with teachers and students interacting because we learned in that previous year how important that was, especially at those, at those younger grades. At the end of the first four weeks of this school year, we had 343 students in that K-8 school, and it's been going well. We went through the enrollment process, the re-enrollment process, and that 343 
in the first four weeks has dropped to 86 at the deadline for individuals to say they wanted to go to this school. For nine grade levels, 86 just isn't enough. We can't provide the service that we know we need to. We can't provide WCS service at the quality we want uh, for those few students. The, the enrollment at each grade level ranges from three at a couple of elementary grades to 17 at eighth grade. Even at 17, that doesn't work in middle school. We had at seven and seventh and 17 and eighth. Even at that, that doesn't work because at those upper grades, you need specific licensures. You need ELA, math, science, social studies, plus related arts, plus special education. We just can't even offer full-time jobs to our teachers based on the appropriate licensures. While we could do this asynchronously, it just, just piecemeal with somebody doing a little bit extra on a supplement, we've learned that for us, that's not our quality. That's not the right thing to do. So in short, we recognize that there's just there wasn't enough interest. And that big a drop is not a question of marketing. It's not a question of letting folks know because a lot of phone calls were made even to those who were there who are there this year. There's just not en enough interest in our community for us to continue that K-8. On the other side of the coin, we have a good interest at the high school level. That structure is different. Those courses are largely asynchronous where we do have all the specializations in the, in the, uh, in the licensures met uh, where a student can take an asynchronous course. It's not the right thing for do for, to do for the middle school. So based on all this, uh, I am sorry to say that, that we don't have the capacity to do it appropriately here in Williamson County, and I do ask that you approve our closing of Discovery Virtual K-8 for next year. I recommend approval of that. I have a motion to approve. Mr. Wimberly makes the motion. Is there a second? Mr. Welch makes the second. There are some people wanting to discuss this motion. Ms. Cleveland? Yes, thank you, Madam Chair. Do we have placement for those teachers? Thank you for that. We, we are working on every single, finding a placement for every single teacher. At the moment, I think we may have uh, two maybe that haven't, this is, I don't know if I have the right number, but um, we made a commitment to them that we would find a place for all those teachers. Thank you. Mr. Haw. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Mr. Golden, thank you for bringing this to us. I know this is a difficult decision. I, I think there's probably not too many things tougher than closing a school, uh, especially when you acknowledge the, the quality of work that's been done. I can't help but notice how this ties into our previous agenda item discussion. And this shows how we really tried to be responsive and meet the needs of the community, parents and families with different different situations and, and trying to come up with ways to serve students. Uh, but, but in this case and in the other, uh, we've got to preserve a, a level of quality. And I think, I think it's an appropriate decision given 
those constraints and the the level of interest that's been expressed. Uh, it's it's disappointing to have to do this, but I I liked what Mr. Cash said in the work session last Thursday about mothballing this and and taking lessons learned. And uh, I hope that it's not perceived that this is for naught, that we did gain some positives out of this that we can apply to our regular uh, learning methods and, and uh, educational opportunities. But um, I'm, I'm supportive of this, but disappointed that we have to do it. Thank you, Mr. Hall, for those comments. The quality of the instruction has been great. I, I participated once or twice in readings for students, just like we sometimes walk into our brick and mortar buildings. Uh, the the work is really good. It's just not enough of a demand. Mr. Mitchell. Well, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, so a couple of questions, Mr. Golden. From from uh, for the middle school in particular, we had three three grades. I think we indicated we had a little over 40, maybe 41 students across those three grades. Why can we not uh, take um, existing middle school teachers and give them a single section of this online school, uh, teaching it synchronously, because uh, you're, uh, you're basically having a different teacher per section. I'm assuming that uh, in middle school, you're changing classes, you're going to uh, you have a dedicated teacher for your math class and a different teacher for your science and and social studies and language arts and so on. Why could we not source those uh, instead of having hiring? A, you were saying you didn't have enough for a full-time teacher in middle school. We could source it across all of our middle school uh, in the district and take, you know, see see what teachers are interested in doing that and continue to offer. Uh, this synchronous type online for the middle school. Um, why, why was that reviewed or is there a reason that that's not viable? We, we did discuss that. Those teachers at those other schools are committed uh, to their schedules. What we were able to do at the high school level is either shorten a day because of the, because of the peculiarities of, a, of a, very, a very wide open high school schedule structure and give those some of those high school teachers an extra section that they can teach outside of the school day. Uh, so we could do it asynchronously. Doing it synchronously, um, it was not readily apparent that we could find a particular teacher and pull them off a commitment they already made at some other school. That was so, our challenge. So I'll, I'll, I'll push back a little bit here in the thought that we're still hiring middle school teachers for next year, I'm assuming, and and I again, I think we could. It's it's a scheduling issue from my standpoint, and that we could potentially have done that because across all of the uh, middle school teachers, you're looking for basically four, four maybe five, five or six sections across all of it. Each of them teaching one section uh, for for a day. So I, I'm not going to support this closure. Because I, I do believe that there's a way to support the middle school side of it uh, from a synchronous standpoint, and so therefore I'm uh, and, and I like us to consider looking at how we can at least keep the middle school part going. Thank you, Mr. Cash. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, 
I couldn't say it better than uh, Mr. Hogue. Um, it just it just saddens me that so many teachers, so many students, so many parents have emailed us, and uh, it's it's just been total positivity from them. They have they have just overwhelmingly praised this program. Um, I, I, I just hope we're not moving too fast um, with this, but uh, like, uh, I guess we can bring it back if, if necessary, but um, just kudos to all those involved in the, the program and uh, thank them for their, their efforts and their dedication. Thank you. Mr. Welch. Dan kind of said what I was going to. It's it's just want to acknowledge this is not over performance, but just simply participation in it. And um, you know, as a board, wanted to express appreciation for uh, all of those teachers and administrators and students and, and you know the families and the students especially who really built this program from. Not even the ground up and the subground up. They they dug the foundation and laid the foundation and everything else and built it from scratch and turned it to really something that that we can point at and be extremely proud of. And this is this is not a um, happy event. It's it's a sad event. But I think it is. Uh, sometimes you have to make difficult decisions in the best needs of the community. Um, but doing this again, just saying how proud we are of, of everyone who was involved in getting that program to where it is. Mr. Galbraith. Thank you. I, I guess I'll have to say that I was I was skeptical that that we would have the um, the demand or that this would even this this would even work. It was uh, I, I think I was proven wrong that it, we have shown that we can do this well. Um, I, I appreciate you taking a um, a good hard look, and I, and I think y'all understood. What the numbers had to be going into to this um, to this process to to evaluate if it was going to be just feasible at all, um, and so I appreciate you sticking to that. It's really not it's not easy to um, to close something down that you've started, especially when so many people are are um, dependent upon it. They see the they like it. It fits their lifestyle um, that for so many reasons that it, it worked. Um, I guess my question, what has um, Dr. Miller um, communicated to these families, especially the ones that that really still, I mean, obviously they, they still want to do this, but what are, what are their options going forward? Thank you for that. Uh, Dr. Miller did have a meeting uh, this, the, with, with families the same day that we had a meeting with the faculty. And I'm trying to remember, I, Somewhere over 40 or so families participated in that in that online discussion. One of the reasons we let them know as soon as we knew the numbers weren't going to make was because there are other options and there were some some deadlines. We know our deadlines and the out of zone uh, uh, issue was coming up in mid April. There is a Tennessee Virtual Academy, which is run by uh, another public school system in Tennessee that's been statewide. One of, and there may be more, actually, and I know for sure one has existed over 10 years. Uh, and so we knew that their deadlines would, would be coming up as well. So Dr. Webb, 
I'm, I'm sorry, Dr. Um, Dr. Miller and her staff made sure that they had one-to-one -one conversations with all family family members who had not been in that majority who just had already decided to go back to campus. Going back to campus is an option. Uh, that's what we can offer. The other options that may be out there were, were, were discussed and made available to families as well. My hope is that that anyone who will, is, would be willing to come back to us, but knowing that if their number one is to have an online, there are state options out there in public schools that are designed to, to cover the whole state so that they can have enough students to make it work. Sure, thank you. And and for the for the budgetary impact on on this, after upon upon thinking about it more, are are we going to leave it as is, like you said, and just shift the the staffing dollars to unassigned, and we'll kind of give us give ourselves a we we'll, we always ask for additional staffing throughout the year. Is that the and we and we're and our estimates are of student needs and staffing needs are really estimates and so we is that the plan we're looking at a number of things related to the budget uh, we had budgeted 27.2 teachers for this that's in the budget that you all approved plus administration support staff etc i anticipate it may be a combination of of things number one on the revenue side, Mayor Anderson made it very clear that he was not going to be recommending to the county commission that they increase property tax this year. With this reduction, that just makes it doubly clear that our plan and our, the budget that you all approved is projected to be within that parameter where there's no, where there's no t tax increase. But there, we may have a little bit more flexibility. This, these positions have the potential to help with growth. Uh, another item that I've asked our staff to look at, knowing that we are bringing our pay plan to you as a board, probably in May, it's actually on the agenda, it's on the annual agenda for June, but we believe we'll probably be ready in May, is to look back at the draft teacher pay schedules that we've talked to the WCA about and see if there are any spots that we that were lower than we hoped because that was all we could afford and see if we could um, you know b bump those up just a little bit in spots uh, that's something our staff is working on and we'll bring to you in May thank you mr. Brown thank you thank you madam chair I, Jason I know this was set up as a result of the COVID pandemic and and then I see in the in the memo that there were as of about a year ago, roughly a year ago, there were 343 uh, students enrolled. Um, what do you, but of course, at that point in time, we were in a substantially better position on COVID than we were a year before that, obviously. So what do you, what do you attribute the drop to? I mean, going from 343 down to fewer than 90 now, you know, a year, less than a year later. I do attribute it largely to COVID. It's, it's hard to remember, right? You go through painful processes and it's hard to, re to, to go back and remember. But back then, the 343 into first month, those folks actually had registered in January and February of the prior year. After having largely, many of them, having been online in the program the previous year. Mm -hmm. Largely it's COVID. 
Now, for those who who stayed, I think the my impression from the stories I've heard from from those who have shared that they that they really would love to keep it. It's largely not COVID. Among that smaller group, it's largely not COVID. And is there is there a particular profile of a student that that remaining 90 or less um, kind of fits into in terms of, I mean, for future reference, if we're going down this road again, is there a type of student particularly that's more inclined to this versus another? I have not seen something that I can just attribute into one big bucket. I've heard a lot of different stories. Some of it's lifestyle, some of it's um, parent jobs, some of it is, is anxiety related. Okay. It's really a broad spectrum of, okay. of choices. All right, thank you. Thank you board members for that robust discussion. Um, so I don't see anyone else wanting to speak, so please cast your votes at this time. Your vote is 10 yes, one no. Our next item is approval of the Coding One Instructional Material Waiver Request. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. We are asking you to approve a request to get a waiver, ask for a waiver from the state for the coding curriculum. Just to use as short language, as short a language as I can, the textbook that's currently available for coding is not something that we want to use. Um, we want it to be more interactive uh, and more present and up-to-date for coding. So we do re re request your approval uh, that we make that waiver request of the state. Do we have a motion to approve? Ms. Apria, a second? Ms. Cleveland, board members, any discussion? Mr. Galbraith. Thank you, Madam Chair. Jason, for, um, we've heard a lot about um, curriculum approval. Um, I'm not sure how uh, controversial coding can be, but um, but from a process perspective, um, how would how would one like how how will our what will our process be to to make the make the curriculum available? Make the curriculum available to families. Well, just to to, to be able to because. We're, we're bypassing the, we're, we're asking to bypass the state process. And so um, just asking just process wise, um, how they've, they've been able to, to have access to the, to the CTE on the years when the CTE curriculum is, is passed. Those books are, or curriculum is all made, made public. So how, how will they do that? Thank you. Uh, the, the state actually has a process anticipating that this may happen from time to time. And step one is the process. The board asks the state for a waiver. Step two is the state reviews our proposal and they decide on whether to approve the particular request. And we have a particular request that's actually in the, uh, in the memo. It's eDynamics Learning. Uh, we have reached the determination that it does meet the state standards for this particular course, but obviously, well, the state has to make that decision themselves before they grant the waiver. So when they grant the waiver, they will have approved this proposed curriculum. Uh, and, it and it won't be a, a bypass. It will be them making a specific approval for this specific recommended curriculum. So it will meet the state process through that well, I guess the the part of the process I'm ask I'm asking about, and I appreciate the the clarity there. But um, part of the process that I'm specifically asking about is 
um, is the public review uh, of the you. of the curriculum. I actually have to ask Dr. Allen if you if if you can uh, address that question. Yes, thank you for the. Hold on. Try again. It's, a, it's the other one. Right yeah, here. it's the one next to you. Now we good? Okay, thank you. Thank you for the question. Um, so the, the process has changed a little over the last few years. Um, so the, 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 the request actually goes to the Department of Education. They put together a committee of experts in the field to review the request that we're putting forward. Um, there's not a step in that process currently for us to have public review of that, um, but we are happy to provide you with the link so that you could dig into it, but there's just not a step in the waiver process right now. So it does go to a professional committee that the state will bring together. Uh, that state, the state, the Tennessee Department of Education will then make a recommendation to the State Board of Education. The state Board of Education actually makes the approval, which has been a change from Tennessee Department of Education making that request. But to specifically answer your question, there's not really a step in that process right now to make it available, um, especially with a product like eDynamic Learning. Um, it's an online platform that we really can't make available. Um, for copyright reasons, but because you're a member of the school system, we can make it available for you to review. We have done a crosswalk to the state standards. Um, to your point, uh, we've not, we've been using that as a supplementary resource. The request now is to move it as our primary at the request of our teachers and our CCTE directive director. We've not had any issues with, with uh, topics in curriculum or anything of that such related to coding one. So, thank you for that. I, so, is there a so is there a, a way? Obviously, I mean, if you can if you can give us access, could there could there can we offer access to to come to the central office by appointment and and come and and view that? Yes, I'm absolutely, just that's to, a good suggestion. Yeah. Yes, we can do that. Yeah. Thank you. So, board members, there's no further discussion. Please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. Our final agenda item for tonight is the approval of tenure recommendations. Thank you, Madam Chair. I'm excited to make this tenure recommendation. This is a big deal for teachers. We have a number of teachers on our list. Uh, those who might know old history of tenure, there's an old rule that after three years, if you kept, if you stayed in the district, you would automatically get tenure. Uh, it's more complicated now, and actually the second page, the top of the second page, Tim, of this particular, the top, there you go, actually is a short uh, paragraph describing the state standards for tenure. It includes a combination of time with the district plus performance and uh, teacher evaluations of above expectations or significantly above expectations. These are excellent teachers who, are, who, have, who, have, who have stood the test of time here at WCS. I am proud to make a recommendation that these teachers receive tenure. I'll make the motion to approve. Is there a second? Mr. Hall makes a second. Any discussion, board members? Mr. Hall. 
Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Mr. Goldman, I just want to echo that. It's always fun to look through this list and recognize some names, and there are, are great, talented professionals that are very worthy of this recognition and, and status. So thank you for bringing this to us. Mr. Cash. Thank you, Madam Chair. I'd just like to congratulate those teachers. Uh, so often we look to the future and say, man, I got five or six years to go and all this stuff, but it happens. Uh, just congratulations and enjoy it. Thank you. I see no further requests to speak. Board members, please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you, board members, and this concludes our meeting for tonight. This meeting is adjourned.